course, this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio and Rob Paxson. We're here talking all things sports in Salford. Join the show this week. As ever, we've got Paul Whiteside from The Devil, The Detail. Paul, how's your sporty weekend been? Bit of a mixed bag, really, Rob, to be honest with you. We're a bit disappointing with, with Salford, but you know, there's been some other good things going on with the, with the cricket and obviously Wales qualifying for the first World Cup since 1958, I think. So it's been, it's been a quiet weekend because I think sort of sport... Been fizzling out a bit with the football finishing, you know, the, the, the domestic season. But no oh, rugby league's hotting up, and uh, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, obviously, what we'll do, we'll start with the football, and we'll start with the international uh, scene, Paul. And like you said, Wales uh, qualifying qualifying for their first World Cup uh, in 64 years. You know what an achievement uh, for Wales, the country, and the football association. Obviously, it's only a, a small. Group. To reach the World Cup finals is a fantastic thing. Oh yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, the first one since I think it was the '58 one, wasn't it? And um, to, to to reach it, I think it's an outstanding achievement. I think they've come close, haven't they? A couple of times over the last sort of decade or so, they've had some good sides, haven't they? And uh, some some good players. You know, look at like Sir Gareth Bale and that, who've, who've been real shining lights, haven't they? In European football, so they've come close a few times, as have some of the other home nations. But it's great to have a couple of home nations in in uh, you know England and, and Wales being in there. So uh, it just adds a bit more interest, doesn't it? And uh, yeah, terrific achievement for a country the size of, of Wales to to now be in the, on the big stage in the World Cup. It's going to be really really exciting. And uh, no, they, they they had to to get a result there against a, a good side, didn't they? You know, we saw Ukraine. Have a real good win over Scotland in the week, and then for, for Wales to turn them over, it's a, it's a terrific achievement for the for the country and uh, everybody involved. Yeah, uh, Ukraine's captain Andriy Yamalenko was the unlucky uh, goal scorer, own goal. Uh, sending Wales through but obviously Ukraine uh, you know with everything going on with them and, and Russia I suppose uh, the World Cup would have helped the morale uh, but obviously every everyone is so proud of what's going on with Ukraine so unfortunately they haven't made the World Cup but uh, they have uh, left a uh, lasting impression Yeah they certainly have they, they, they had an excellent victory against uh, against Scotland and it, it's been a tough time for them and their people and I think obviously the, for the players as well and, and other sports people you know there's quite a few Ukrainian boxers and the high profile ones who've You've got this going on in the background as well. It must be very, very difficult for, for the country. And you just hope, um, on the grand scheme of things, there's, there's, there's bigger things in sport. Isn't it? And we just hope that the, the situation that's happening over there you know, gets sorted out sooner rather than later because it, it must be pretty destructive what, what's going on at the moment. And you can't really imagine it, can you? So, uh, so yeah, they've done themselves proud, really. And yeah, unlucky own goal. And, uh, you know, Wales have benefited from it. But, uh, but yeah, like I said, there's, there's bigger things in sport sometimes. And we've just got to hope that that's situation as I said gets resolved yeah and obviously Wayne Hennessy in the Wales goal pulling off a string of fantastic saves uh, to keep Wales in it second choice the goalkeeper at Burnley showing he's got you know that temperament and then that ability to perform under pressure in the big games yeah certainly that's what you tend to find don't you sometimes in these games that are pretty close you know one nils and no there's not a lot in it the goalkeeper is usually the hero isn't he who's uh who's kept them in the game and if you look back at the highlights of that game you have to say Hennessy you know pulling up some some really good stops you know from, from close range and things like that you know point blank range a few of them and you know, he, he has probably become the hero. And like you said, second choice at, at Burnley. And as he put himself in the shop window for a, for a transfer this this summer, whether whether a team would be looking at him as first choice, because definitely a talented keeper. So, so yeah, there's some stories in there, Rob. And, uh, yeah, we, we wish him all the best now in, in the World Cup. I mean, I, I'm no football expert, so I'm not sure what who's in their group for the World Cup, if it's been 
drawn yet. Uh, I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm sure they'll, they'll do themselves proud at the World Cup. Yeah, the group Wales are in is our group. There's us, there's Wales, there's the USA, and there's Iran um, in the in the in the league uh, of four. So that'll be a certainly a you know a firecracker of a group that will. Well, blimey, yeah, Iran and America against each other. I mean, there's no love lost there between those two huh. countries, is there? Politically and what have you. So you've got a fancy though if you're England and Wales to to get results against. You know, USA and Iran. I mean, if two qualify, they, they've both got a chance of going through there. So yeah, that should be an interesting group. That I mean, I had a look at the teams who were in the World Cup the other day and not really paid a lot of attention to it, to be honest with you. But uh, as it edges sort of closer now, yeah, there's some some big names in there, and, and like you say, Iran and USA, some names that are probably not the biggest names in world football. But the, these teams are going to raise their game, aren't they, on that big stage? And you never know, you might see one or two upsets. So uh, and look at the time of the year it's being played as well it's it's going to be different is it? it's in the middle of a middle of a season now for uh, especially for England anyway and a lot of the European clubs so it's it, you know you could see some one or two upsets and shocks and surprises in that and obviously Rob Page the Welsh uh, manager not a sort of a household name when it comes to uh, way you know uh, international uh, coaching but you know to take the country to to the big stage is a big uh, thing for him and obviously a will grow his profile. Very experienced player though, Rob, wasn't he, Robert Page? I mean, I think he spent a lot of his career playing for Watford and I think he was a centre-half, if I remember right. A uh, big centre-back and, um, yeah, a lot of caps for Wales in his playing days and he's obviously uh, learned his trade as a, as a good manager as well. And, you know, as I said before, to, to, to get Wales to their first World Cup in, in all the in 64 years is, is no mean feat whatsoever and, you know, he's carrying on some good work what, what other managers have done there at Wales. They've had some good managers over the last couple of decades who've who just fell short, as I, as I mentioned, and, and for him to get them there, he's done a terrific job. And you no, know, we we we've only got to go back to the Euros a few years ago, and, and Wales were the surprise package then, weren't they? And you know, a lot of team, a lot of other, particularly England supporters, had Wales as the second team, didn't they? Really, they shocked people and, and did really well. So if they can take that into the World Cup, and you know that togetherness and that team spirit, they play an exciting brand of football as well. They might cause some uh, some teams problems. Talking about England, they were playing against Hungary in the uh, Euro Nations League away and they lost 1-0. A penalty from the Hungarians uh, was the only score of the game. Paul, dubious penalty for me. But it is what it is. Power Gareth Southgate's men beaten. Um, but obviously, end of the season... You know, the players have all had long, longer, uh, you know, exposure to matches and they look a bit knackered. Well, you can do, can't you? I mean, I think somebody mentioned last week about, I think it was with the, the Champions League finals, listening to that on the radio, and they were saying, I think it was six games, 60 odd for Liverpool, and there's one or two players who played in every game. And that's a lot of games to be playing. I mean, I know they're full time professionals and, you know, you're an athlete and this, that, and the other, and you're on a diet and you, you keep yourself fit. But it's still it's still a lot, of, lot, lot out with your legs, isn't it, to take out here? Uh, and then you, you're playing in this as well and a lot of players have perhaps sort of slowed down a bit they've had a few weeks off body slowed down a bit they're not quite in sync with, with the speed of the game and you know you get these these results I'm pretty sure Gareth Southgate won't be losing too much sleep over it obviously it's a, it's a disappointment but uh, you know you've got to put things right haven't you and he'll be aiming to, to, to do the business in the World Cup Yeah uh, it was supposed to be being played behind closed doors after Hungary was fined uh, for, for, I think it was racist chanting, I think. But there was 30 uh, uh, Hungarian children uh, at the at the match who who, uh, who ended up booing England for taking the knee again. I think it's really bad, obviously. You know, it's 
racism has to be kicked out of football. But if you've got the kids who, who are being sort of like sort of taught certain things in, in their lives and react to things like that, it's not a good sign, is it, going forward? No, and it's difficult sometimes. I think it's, a, it's an hard situation to comment on sometimes without upsetting somebody. But if you look at other countries around Europe and around the world, not every single country is as sort of tolerant as, as, as the UK. And as England, I mean, you can go further afield, and 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 they're not. It's their way of life. And how do you how do you preach that? I mean, that's that's up to that country. You can't sort of police the world, can you? You can only do your bit and and teach your children the right ways. And you've just got to leave it to the authorities and people to deal with. I mean, it's very very difficult, isn't it? It's not the not ideal, but. Uh, but yeah, I don't really know what the answer is to that, Rob. I think you'll always get people just just doing what they want, and you can only guide them what what you think's right. Mm. Yeah, on the field, it was a debut for West Ham's uh, Jared Bowen, who worked hard. James Justin from Leicester also made his first appearance. Uh, Boyeka Saka uh, from Arsenal produced a, a you know a couple a good cameo performance. Harry Kane was searching for his fiftieth uh, England goal, um, but yeah, there is positives to come out of that game. Yeah, certainly it's good to see people making debuts and you know getting that first chance in, in an England jersey. And uh, like we said before, it, it's about being getting peaking at the right time. I think is the word I'm looking for when they they go to the the, the World Cup and. You know, you want to, to sort of iron things out and iron processes out in, in sort of warm-up games and friendly games and things like that. So the World Cup's going to be very, very intense. You, you've got no room for error there or mistakes. You've got three group games and you've got to get things right. You can't afford to start on the back foot. And, and I'm pretty sure Gareth Southgate will be be working on, you know, the players and who he wants involved in that. And, you know, some of, some of the guys that are coming through making a debut, it's a perfect opportunity for them to, to sort of push their way into that squad. And you might see one or two players in there you thought blimey I wouldn't have thought I'd seen him in, but if they're going to impress Gareth now in the next couple of months they've got every chance yeah Germany on Tuesday second game of the Euro Nations uh, Cup hopefully we can bounce back there yeah and what a game to bounce back in Rob you know Germany they're uh, sort of an old rival for England aren't they all the history between the two clubs the two countries sorry in uh, in, in years gone by there's been some epic contests hasn't there uh, both in Germany and both in this country as well and in, in major tournaments. So, uh, so yeah, I don't think England will be taking that one lightly. People will be uh, definitely wanting to pull, pull the finger out and perform in that one. Yeah, let's talk domestic football now. And uh, Carlos Tevez, uh, a, a legend on both the red and the blue side of Manchester, uh, has retired from uh, professional football. A great career, uh, lots of great goals uh, and memories for, for both sides of the city. I thought he'd retired a few years ago, Rob, to be honest with <laughs> no. you. I've not really heard from him. I know, yeah, he went abroad, didn't he, after his, yeah. his time in England. But, but yeah, joking aside, um, he, he was a special player, wasn't he? You know, he did some great things. You know, at West Ham as well, he uh, scored some tremendous goals there and a real character and, you know, came to Manchester United and that, that big, the big sort of transfer across the city and crossing that divide and going to City and, and the posters and, and things like that that, that stirred both sets of supporters at the time and got people talking and that's what that's what football's all about so yeah I think he's been a tremendous character and uh, cracking cracking player as well on his day yeah obviously Argentina as well played with the great Messi uh, obviously played for, for, for Argentina and, and obviously like you said his time at West Ham uh, you know with a Mascarano incident and he's kind of a, a controversial character uh, wherever he went 
Yeah, controversial is probably the right word, but also entertaining. I think, um, mm. you know, you never quite knew what was going to happen with, with Tevez. He could do some some really good things and quite a fiery character as well. And, you know, someone who'd, um, you know, when he, once he pulled that, that shirt on for his, for his team, he's a 100 percenter. And, um, yeah, it's... Um, It'll be a, be a loss to football now. He's he's finished because he's been a tremendous pro. You know, had a, had a great career, won won trophies, where in 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 the places he's been as well. So uh, yeah, an, an exciting player, definitely. Yeah, fun fun question here, uh, Paul. He played for both Manchester United and Man City. Who did he play for the most? I'm going to say City because he was there yeah. a few years, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I'd go for City. Yeah, he played 113 times for City, scoring 58 goals. Played 63 times for United and scored 19 goals. Totally played 517 games and scored 227 goals. So that's like a goal every two games. So it uh, shows that he was a, a top draw striker. Uh, other news. David De Gea, Man United's goalkeeper, has been voted Man United's Player of the Year for the fourth time. Uh, I suppose he's great, pulls out wonder saves, keep Manchester United matches, uh, but it's not a good sign when your goalie wins Player of the Year. Um, it, it, it's, that's an hard question for me, that, Rob. Yeah, it's, I suppose it's not because, you know, you, you'd like it to go to an outside sort of player who's who's been outstanding but probably there's not many people who stand out this season for Manchester United is there so so yeah difficult one but David De Gea is a you know he's a very very reliable goalkeeper and I think whenever you're trying to build a side you've always got to start at the back haven't you get your defence right and it, you know good goalkeepers are not ten a penny are they so you know from a starting point now for the new manager at least he's got someone between the sticks who he, who he can uh, who he can rely on. That that's a good a good positive start. Obviously, for Manchester United supporters, they want to play the game the right way. They've got to be looking at you know some entertaining players further down the pitch as well. So taking nothing away from David De Gea, he's he's had a good season in, the, in some of the games I've watched anyway. And probably if it wasn't for De Gea, they wouldn't have finished as high up the table as they did. It could, they could have been even worse off. So uh, he's pulled them out of the woods a few times. Mm, indeed, and obviously, you know, there's been a lot of uh, movement at Manchester United. Three players uh, have announced that they're leaving the club uh, through the club. Man, uh, one matter: Jesse Lingard and Paul Pogba confirmed to be leaving Manchester United. Uh, Paul, um, we'll start with one matter. Uh, great, you know, little player for us. Great technique. You know, really good in that midfield through his years at Manchester United. Uh, but I suppose with the way Father Time catches up with every player, uh, I suppose it makes sense to move him on. Yeah, yeah, he's a cutthroat business, isn't it? Football, especially at the top level, and you know, once players start to lose the value and you know, coming towards the end of the career, it, it makes the right decision to, to perhaps move them on. I mean, once you had the best years out of somebody, you know, is there any use keeping them on there? So yeah, been a good player, but you know, he's come to that time now for him to to to, to move on. Yeah. He also played for, for Chelsea in the Premier League uh, between the 2011 season and 2024 season. Played 82 times uh, for them and scored 18 goals. Played for Manchester United from 2014 to 2022 and played 196 games and, th- and scored 34 goals. He was also a, may- a sort of a main stay of that con- all-conquering Spanish uh, side uh, that, that won uh, European Championships and World Cups. Uh, and uh, you know he was he was part of that glorious uh, generation for them. Yeah, certainly, certainly, and it was a glorious uh, generation as well. They had some good years, didn't they? The national team there, winning, winning tournaments uh, and what have you. It's probably been it gone a bit, 
dry for them, hasn't it, the last couple of uh, couple of seasons? But yeah, it remembered for that. You know, been a terrific player and uh, part of that that that. That that team that did so well, so um, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's a shame when players like that move on, good players because they're not easy to replace. No, uh, and obviously you know another player that is parting is Jesse Lingard. Uh, he was been at United for a, such a long time, uh, from 2011 onwards. He played 149 games and scored 20 goals. Um, he's English. He had he had. You know, such good stints at international level under that in that Man United team, and part of me thinks it's a shame that he, he's had to, uh, you know, he decided to leave. But he isn't, you know, a in my opinion, Man United player. Yeah, homegrown, tries his best, but for me, just lacks that bit of summit. Yeah, I think anybody who plays that amount of games for Manchester United. You know, has done pretty well there, haven't they? He must be, must be an half decent player. So, uh, and I think sometimes we we get a bit sentimental, especially our homegrown players as well. It's a shame when things don't work out and and they have to move on. But, uh, but yeah, I think most Manchester United supporters would be sympathetic to him and say he'd done a good a good job when he was there. But like you said, players move on, and I think Manchester United are looking for. It, to go a different way now, aren't they? By the by, the sound of things, I think they're going to be pretty ruthless this summer and with signings and, and, and the squad. I mean, I'm no expert at Manchester United, but I would say their squad, you know, come August September is going to look totally different to the one that finished this season in sort of uh, May 2022. So uh, I think there'll be a lot of changes there. Yeah, uh, another player that leaves Manchester United is uh, Paul Pogba. Uh, the French uh, midfielder has had two spells at Manchester United uh, and decided to, to leave for the second time. Uh, a bit of an enigma, I think, Paul Pog, but he's, he could be glorious at one one minute and then be bang average the other. Uh, and I think that's the problem that he's had at Manchester United. He's not been consistent enough. Oh, yeah, certainly. I think enigma is the, is the, is the right word for Paul Pogba. I mean, you never know what's, what's going to happen with him, do you, really? He really is. A strange one, but uh, no, a guy that's probably got all the talent in the world, and you know, it's uh, it's it's one of those. I mean, Manchester United paid an awful lot of money for him, and then you see him, him leaving on a free transfer. But is he better off out with the club? Sometimes you you know players like that who are a bad influence on other players, people call them a bad apple, and I don't know. Sometimes as a club, and you've got to just cut your losses, haven't you, and start again. But it just seems a, a shame, you know, business-wise, you know, to lose that amount of money on a player and have a player that's got a lot of talent and you're just not getting the best out of him. But it could be the best move for Manchester United. Though. Mm. I would say for him, uh, World Cup winner, Euro Nations winner, uh, European Championship runner-up. You know, he, he is a you know a big player in the big games, but I think it's just consistency uh, for me when it comes to club level. He's just not he's just not consistent enough. He plays in the big games, but the games against the the lesser teams is the the games that you you should be winning. Yeah, and if you want to do anything domestically, you know, in the Premiership and you know cup competitions and even in the European Cup, you, you've got to be consistent. I mean, you've got to be able to back it up week in week out. You're playing two games a week. You can't afford to carry people, can you? You know, you look you look back at Manchester United sides over the last couple of decades that, you know, have won trophies. They've had a core of players that have, have been been eight out of ten, nine out of ten, week in week out. You can't afford to to, to carry someone just because he can do a brilliant thing once a month. So that that's not going to get you anywhere. So the new regime at Manchester United now, I think, are looking to to get players that are going to give it their all and they're going to get the best out of them. So uh, if Paul Pogba doesn't fit the bill, Paul Pogba has to go. 
Yeah, let's talk about uh, Salford City uh, FC. They've announced a couple of friendlies uh, early in the pre-season. They're playing Warrington Rylands uh, away and also they're playing Landundo away on the 15th of July. Uh, you know, I suppose, you know, they, they need these games to build fitness and, and integrate the new players coming in. Yeah, Landundo will be a nice day out as well, mm-hmm. won't it? In, uh, in Wales in the summer. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, of course, it's a big season for Salford. I mean, I was looking at the odds the other day, quite a few of the bookmakers, I think nearly all the top bookmakers have made Salford favourites um, to, to come top next season and gain automatic promotion to League One. So, with that, you've got a bit of expectation. But on the other side of the coin, the bookmakers aren't usually that far off. So, um, they must be expecting them to have a good season. And, you know, recruitment, I think, will be coming along well. And, you know, let's have it right, they, they weren't awful last season. They weren't that far away from, from a playoff spot. So, I don't think there's, you know, a wholesale change in the making at Salford City. You're perhaps just looking at maybe one or two players strengthening the squad just slightly. Um, you know, the players that are still there have got another year experience behind them in that, that league. They know what to expect. Um, obviously, there's some some good sides coming into the league got Stockport coming in who are going to be a local rival and they're expected to do well so and the sides that have come down from from uh, from League One so there's going to be some challenges in there that they're going to be facing but uh, but no I'm expecting to have a good season yeah they managed to to re-sign Ash Eastham and Theo Bassell uh, one on a one-year contract the other on a two-year contract uh, it's great obviously they're able to tie these players down because I think the important part of this process is keeping your best players uh, and adding to it because obviously there will be people who are vult- uh, sort of the vultures who will be circling uh, Salford obviously after last season's failure to go up uh, they'll be looking at picking players also it's important that you know Salford and the board stay strong uh, you know don't let players leave that they don't want to leave uh, and invest in players and bring players in well yeah and, and especially when you look at the, the side probably not so much in League 2 there's some big sides in League 2 but you, you go above the one league up to, to League 1 and you look down the, the list of teams that are in that league and there's some massive names in there you know teams that have been in the Premiership teams that are getting over 20,000 every week teams that have got big budgets and who can sign players so if you've got a player that's sort of catching the eye you know the, these clubs have got, got scouting networks and, and people like that they'll be picking wanting to pick players up at, you know at decent prices so it's vital that you tie your good players down and you, and you build a team around them you know it's it's, it's a total total world of difference from from sort of non-league football. Once you climb that ladder and you start getting to the football league, it's cutthroat, isn't it? And um, it's very difficult to get out of leagues. You ask Sunderland how long they, they've been in that. Um, I think they've just got to the championship from League One, but it's took them about five or six years to get back up. It's such a tough league. You know, they're getting sort of 30-odd thousand every week. Probably got a bigger budget than everybody else, but... Teams raise their game against them, and it's so difficult that consistency of 46 match season. It's very, very difficult. And Salford are going to find that next season. You know, the more money that you spend and the more sort of shouting about, you know, you're going to get promoted and the profile of your club, other sides raise the game, don't they? It's their cup final. So, um, you know, Salford might have a bit of that next season. Uh, let's touch on the cricket. Uh, now, Paul, England are in action uh, this weekend. They face New Zealand at Lords uh, and won. Uh, Joe Root 100 uh, stole, uh, sort of steal, stole the show, let's say, and uh, helped England win the first test. Yeah, it's a good start. It's a good start to the summer. They've got some tough tests coming up this summer. It's a, a long summer of cricket for them. And to get you know, uh, the, the first test 
underway and under their belts is uh, is always a good start. You know, New Zealand are a good nation in in the cricket circles, aren't they? And uh, no, nice to see a uh, big crowd at Lords. And there was a bit of rain, I think, on on Sunday that delayed things. But uh, but no, they've got off to a flying start there. Yeah, he scored 115 not out and became the second English batter after Alistair Cook to reach 10,000 Test runs. It shows how good he is because 10,000 test runs is not an easy feat of just looking at all the other England internationals that have you've gone uh, previously he must be up there with the best yeah that's that's quite quite no mean feat at all I think 10,000 runs and no I think he's been a very very consistent performer for for England over the last sort of decade or so and you know it's probably one of the first ones that's that makes the selection uh, for, for for the test team, you know, um, you know, real good all rounder, isn't he? You know, the one day stuff, the twenty twenty, and and in, in in test cricket as well. You know, uh, those sort of three ones I've named there. You've got to approach them all differently, haven't you? With different tactics, but you know, Root's one of those guys who can uh, adapt his game to all three. So, uh, so yeah, and he's not the not uh, by by any means over the hill either. So I think he's he's quite capable of adding to that that tally of runs, and I, I think you'll see some big innings from this summer. Yeah, and James Anderson doing the bowling, 66 runs, four wickets, shows he's got, uh, you know, still got ability to, to knock him over. And I think he's a similar age to us, Jimmy Anderson, Rob. I, th- I think <laughs> he's uh, approaching that magical age. So, uh, so yeah, he's been tremendous, hasn't he, in the Burnley Express over the years. Very exciting uh, exciting bowler and, and done a great job for England. I mean, you look at the amount of wickets he's taken, he just keeps, seems to keep going. Real sort of fit guy, and um, and yeah, I'm expecting him to have another big summer, and he'll skittle plenty of people out this summer. And uh, yeah, exciting guy to watch. Yeah, let's talk about uh, the rugby uh, league now, Paul, and so for Red Devils, I spoke to Paul Trainer, who is one of the directors of Salford Red Devils, and Matt Carr about their recent um, sort of future day that the club set up, where they invited lots of school kids to come down and watch the match uh, with the with the fellow students and, and teachers, uh, and gave us an idea what the safeguarding is all about at the club, and this is what they had to say. Two special guests on the show this week. We're joined by uh, director Paul Trainer. Welcome to the show, Paul. Looking forward to talking all things at Salford and the big event that's happening Friday. Hiya, Rob. You OK? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking about it, yeah. Yeah. We're also joined by uh, Matt Carr, Salford's uh, safe guarding officer. Uh, welcome to the show, Matt. Looking forward to this. Yeah, r- really am, yeah. Looking forward to Friday as well. Should be good. Yeah. So fantastic! Looking forward to it. Let's let's talk about it, uh, Paul. On on Friday, uh, excited about the uh, the game uh, on Friday. Obviously, the community coming together and building for the future. Yeah, we're we're really excited. Um, this this follows on from the Leeds game we had um, in the middle of March, where we had just under two thousand three hundred kids from and staff and coaches from schools and community clubs across across the Greater Manchester and and Cheshire region. Um, really, really pleased with how this has developed over over the, the 12 months of the building the future strategy, um, but also you know how we've how we've kind of developed this since the first time we did it in in 2019, where we just had we struggled to get 300 kids to come to watch us play Huddersfield, and it's increased massively each time we've done it. So yeah, we're we're, we're really pleased. We've done it a few games, haven't we? And the the crowds have built and built. Yeah, yeah. This obviously the the building the future games are kind of the public. You know the the, the the most uh, easy to see face of this. You know with the, with the, the the people we get coming into the games. Like I say, we went for we just had just over three hundred for our first game in twenty nineteen, which we, we just turned as a schools and community club game. Um, then we 
last September we had our obviously we had a bit of a, a stagnant period because of because uh, of the pandemic. Uh, we had just short of 800 against Toronto um, in 2020. Uh, then last year, our last game of the season against St. Helens, we had 1,400. 2,300 against uh, Leeds a few weeks ago, and we're going to be over 2,000 um, on Friday. So, yeah, um, and it's not just it's not just the numbers. The numbers are really pleasing, but it's also the spread. We're getting different schools, uh, different community clubs, different areas represented. Um, so, it's yeah, it's, it's totally in line with, with, with what we're wanting for from this strategy in terms of developing the game and the profile of the club. Yeah, Matt, this is where you come into play because obviously it's your sort of job to make sure everyone's uh, feels good and, and and feel like you know safe. Yeah, well, my uh, my my day Friday is obviously going to be a, a lot busier than um, than a normal home game, but well up for it. Um, st- it'll start with a, a stewards meeting, so about three hours before kickoff, uh, and then I'll do my own uh, risk assessments, and then just after that, it's welcoming the welcoming the children, welcoming the the, the community clubs and the schools, and uh, enhancing the, the Salford brand really, and. Uh, once kickoff starts, it's and um, for for me, it's it's not waiting for the phone to ring, but it's again enhancing the brand. But if there's an incident, I'll get a call. But uh, it went really, really well against against Leeds, really successful, and uh, anticipate something similar this Friday. Yeah, really good. How did you get into safeguarding, Matt? Well, I've been in safeguarding. Well, grassroots football, really. Grass, I'm still in grassroots football now. I still do that as well. I head up a, a big, uh, a big league in Salford. Literally, I lead the safeguarding for that as well. So it's mainly just your kids play football. You go down. They want you to coach. Started coaching, and then I went. I went into the into the welfare side of it, and then for a local club, which is a quite a big club uh, in Ermston, and led the safeguarding, ripped up the the, the sort of the, the model in there. Uh, Launched a model of our own, sort of with different safeguarding officers, fetch female safeguarding officers in for for the female teams, and uh, we're quite successful, really. We won a we won an FA award for Club of the Year for safeguarding, and uh, went from strength to strength. Then I went into a league in Timperley, and then into the Salford League, and then lastly doing a role for Salford, which I'm over the moon about. Yeah, sounds like uh, Matt was at top of his top of his game, Paul. When when we came knocking, you know, Matt's a, a really big Salford fan, um, and you know, the first time we met, his passion for safeguarding mm-hmm. and the club came across really clearly and really quickly. Um, and, and and I think we share, you know, me and him share really clear ideas on what we want this to look like. And we talk about, you know, it's not just kind of, you know, reaching standards and ticking boxes. It's about making sure it's the best it can be, which is what we're aiming for as a club and everything. So yeah. It, you know, from from one conversation, it evolved pretty quickly, um, and, and we're delighted to have him on board. Yeah, sounds like a, the perfect marriage, really. Obviously, you know, both the club and, and Matt, you know, moving forward, you know, making things happen, and, and it's great, Matt. Obviously, you know, you're doing this, and you know, engaging with, with the fans who need it. Yeah, well, it's that's my passion, like as Paul said. Um, you know, you get a lot of satisfaction from safeguarding. I'll be honest with you. You know the, the the part of safeguarding that I've been used to is is sort of a, a grassroots and the match day role. I've had to to get my head around and get used to. You know, I've spent a lot of time with people at the AJ Bell and uh, to to understand what their requirement is. And um, obviously with with Paul, how many games in we are now? Four or five games in at the AJ Bell, and uh, I feel like I've, I've sort of got a grasp of it, and it's going well. Yeah, going really well. How's how's that engagement been uh, with the different parties involved in 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 the process? I couldn't fault the engagement anywhere, any part of the club. You know, that goes for, you know, the, the sort of AJ Bell security staff on the day. But certainly all the all the teams I've been involved with so far, still got some more to do. But, you know, the, the PDRL team and the, the learning disabilities team spent a lot of time at training sessions with, with ladies, visited the under-16s. Um, you know, 
everybody at the club from 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 Paul King down. You know, uh, even the first team players. I think they understand the importance of the role, and uh, I, I can't fault it. I've been made to be feel very very welcome at the club. I feel part of the family already. Yeah, I have to uh, blow Matt's trumpet here, Paul. That if it's a Salford game on, regardless whether it's first team, ladies, uh, learners' ability team, he is there. You know, showing his face, making sure everyone's okay, and that and that's you know testament to how, how great he is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and you know that's that's you know we we pride ourselves as a club on you know having really good people in, and, and you know Matt's talked about right from you know right from Paul King downwards. That's that's how we want the club to be. Um, you know, filled with good people doing a great job, and, and and Matt certainly fits that bill. Yeah, obviously, you know, talking about engaging with, with the schools and, and and that, Paul. Um, you know, what's the you know you, you talk about the, the the growth and what what's the kind of targets you've got set for you know for this one and for the future ones? I think I think the first thing to to kind of say, Robbie, is you know this is, one of the things we're really keen to do within the club is to join things up. So, you know, it's not just isolated games where we get schools and community clubs to turn up uh, whilst that's important. And, you know, obviously it's a really good experience for those kids. And, and some of the feedback we got from from teachers, coaches and the children themselves last time. And if you saw any of the video clips taken by the media team in the East Stand, hmm. you know, most of the noise coming towards the back end of that Leeds game was from the East Stand, which was so refreshing to, to see. You know, the vast majority of those kids had never been to a Salford game and many have never been to a live sports game before. But, you know, in terms of joining it all up, you know, it's important to see that this is just one part of it. So we're looking at, you know, the player pathway work, the work in schools and community clubs at the foundation and the club together, because it's, it's what we want to do here is, is we want to increase participation in rugby league. We want to increase the profile of the club across new areas. Um, and with with a new audience, build the fans and the players of the future, whilst also leaving a bit of a legacy. Um, I'm really mindful of, of not being that pro club that kind of just goes into a school to serve their own purpose and then dips out and then you don't hear from them again. So, you know, we're, we're really looking to cement great relationships and also leave a bit of a legacy in terms of, you know, whether it's players going into a school to inspire kids to be the best they can be, whether it's the foundation doing a great piece of work around positive mental health, um, rugby league coaching, you know, it's it's, it's a, an all-encompassing project of which the games are just one bit. Um, so, you know, when we talk about targets, you know, we, we've set ourselves a target of increasing participation 5% a year mm-hmm. uh, for five years across the Greater Manchester region with our partner schools and community clubs. We want to create um, a real clear path from schools to community clubs because part of our work isn't just, you know, finding our under 16s, under 18s and, and development academy players then to progress to first team. It's about um, ensuring that, you know, the, the community clubs benefit from this work. So if there is a young person who plays rugby league at school and loves it, that they know there's a community club nearby to to, to, to go and continue their development. Um, and actually, whether they're aiming to be a professional or not, just getting them playing rugby league is absolutely vital. Yeah, and obviously, Matt, your role is so important that because obviously, if these kids are are joining the club and and you know join the teams or even as fans, you're there to make sure that you know it all runs smooth. Yeah, I mean, it's it's vitally important. I mean, it's giving the parents the confidence, you know, that 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 Salford is a club to go to. You know, they need to be trust is a big thing, uh, especially with with what's been publicised over the last few years with safeguarding. It's vitally important that we give parents and the and the children. That confidence that, that Salford is going to do things the right way and look after them and 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 get uh, get the the, the the guys to come and guys and girls to come and join us. 
Yeah, obviously safeguarding wise, how do we compare to other clubs? You know, Paul, I'll tell you, we, we have had um, we have had sort of the head of head of safeguarding in from the RFL. We invited her in to uh, to come and and talk to us, and we talked to her what our plans were and what sort of the short term goals were with some long term objectives. And uh, we did get some good feedback that we were sort of one of the ones that were leading the way. So uh, we're only just scratching the surface, really, and uh, we're we're sort of up there now. So. It's really exciting what we can achieve for the future. We've got a second meeting planned. She'll come in as a guest. Kerry Simmons on the Wigan game. I think it's been moved to the 10th, but she's available. So she's going to come and we'll talk her through a bit of our future plans and strategy then as well. Yeah, it sounds like we're, we're kind of trailblazers here, here, Paul, you know, and uh, it's exciting. Yeah, and, and and that's what, you know, that that's how we intend to be, you know, in, in terms of it, it, the safeguarding aspects, but also the work we're doing, we're building the future the Ghana partnership, the South Florida partnership, Ipswich Jets, Wales. You know, we're looking to do 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 the things that we do and do them properly. Um, so, yeah, it's from us as a club, it's a full commitment to what we're doing. You know, as a result, we're making some some huge strides in all aspects of the club, really. Yeah, obviously, you know, talk about engaging with the schools and the, the local clubs in the community. What's the, what's kind of the after sort of care about that? Obviously, you know, you want them to come to the game and a percentage of the will, uh, but there will be percentages that won't. So is there like a sort of process to, to chase them and find out what they, what they want and if we can provide for that? We're, we're building really good relationships with these schools um, and, and an awful lot are, are coming time and time again. So yeah, some yeah. of the schools are coming on Friday. The vast majority came to the Leeds game or came to the Saints game last season. Those schools who kind of come once or twice and then we don't hear from them, you know, they're followed up. You know, I'm getting to, to know quite a significant number of the, the, the teachers at these schools. And, you know, when they can't come, you know, it's almost like they're, they're sending an email to apologise now and finding out when the next one is. So yeah. it'll always be, you know, with school calendars, with all the stuff going on in schools and community clubs, it's not always, not always possible for them to come to every game. But... What we've created now is an open level of communication where, you know, if if they can, they will, I think. And and they get looked after, you know, for the last game against Leeds, we had three of their first grade players in the concourse underneath the stand. Mm. We had three reserve team players. We had the women's squad there meeting and greeting them. The, you know, they got a goodie bag with bits in. So we're making an experience now. And, and what we want to do is these young people to get an affinity for the club. So they get to know the players' names. They were getting autographs. And, and you know, Rob, if you, if you spotted at the end of the Leeds game when the players went over to the East Stand, mm. it took some of the players about 25 minutes to get round to the South Stand because they were signing autographs. And seeing some of the footage and the kids just looking at the at the lads in, in adulation was, was fantastic. You know, and they probably wouldn't have known who those players were a couple of hours before. So, you know, and that's where it is. You know, we've probably all, when we've started to, to watch Salford, we've probably all had a bit of a hero to look up to. And, and and our, our players, whether it be the first team, whether it be the women's team, the reserves, the PDRL, LDRL, the fantastic role models. So what we're trying to create is is to put these role models for the children to get access to so they can get to meet them. And, you know, that's where your affinity for the club starts. Mm. And obviously that extra level, Matt, you know, that the safeguarding gives the parents confidence to want to come to the to the game and bring the kids with them. Yeah, well, confidence is key, uh, Rob. It's, it's confidence and uh, uh, as probably trust is a better word that you know if they're gonna let their kids come and go through the pathway, they, they need to have confidence and trust that that we're gonna look after them and do the right thing by by the children. So, uh, and I'm confident that we're we're doing that and we will continue to do that. Um, yeah. So, what what future sort of developments would you like to see at the at the club? Well, with myself, I mean, we've developed a bit of a strategy myself and Paul for the next for the next couple of years. So, I think the big one for for me is um, getting out into the to the clubs that the local clubs that are linked to the 
to, to Salford and um, liaise with sort of their safeguarding and welfare officers yeah. and uh, assist them where I can and you know and and, and just get out there and do, and, and do sessions with them and, and help them really form that sort of personal relationship with individuals who are, who are running the clubs like the Roosters and, and Folly Lane and all them sort of people just to build up that, that sort of relationship for the for the future. Yeah, and obviously it provides a link, doesn't it, to all to all the clubs and and the, and and the little clubs as well around the amateur sides. And you know, it's great. Obviously, you know, we've got that idea now going. It's the wheels are in motion, uh, and it's only going to be positive going forward. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I can't think of any negatives just now. Really, it's it's, it's going well, and uh, we'll just, we'll just keep analysing the strategy where we're up to and and building on it. And and it, the future looks bright. It really does. Yeah. And obviously, you know, building up that game day experience, uh, Paul, that, that's an, it's sort of an important part. Obviously, the, the, the important game Friday with all the schools and the clubs coming down. Uh, you know, what, what can we look forward to? What's what's going on? Well, it's the, it's the Rugby League uh, steam round. So there's going to be lots at the front of the stadium for all fans, not just for the for the building the future visitors, uh, you know, looking at, at kind of mental health and well-being. So there's a whole host of things going on at the front of the stadium. Uh, there's going to be there's a musician in the tent. We've we've kind of gone with the building the future theme for both the building future games. We've got a young musician in there, a uh, young man called John Denton, who's is really talented, hugely talented. And as the as they the, the work their way around the back of the south stand towards the east stand, we're going to have the, the foundation's passing challenge. So there's going to be lots and lots going on. But also, like I say, the, there will be some players in there for them to meet, and they will be getting you know something to take away, which will which will hopefully. You know, build that affinity along with the opportunity to get discounted tickets to come back and, and see us in a, in another game as well, apart from the building the future games. Because obviously, yeah. what we're trying to do is, is to try and you know get them to keep coming back. Yeah, obviously, it's real blending it education, you know, sport, community, and that, that's what that's what Club Salford Devils is all about, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and you know, we're we're really blessed with you know some fantastic community clubs. The schools are totally on board now. Um, and I think they can see what we're trying. The schools and community clubs can see what we're trying to do. Um, on social media last week, there was the the pictures of the players going out visiting visiting the community clubs. Mm. You know, like I say, this is about you know role models. Um, we've got some lads in the, in the first team now. We've come through the local area. People like Jack Wells and Callum. You know, and, and it's it's showing that these kids that it's, it's possible and it could be them in a few years' time. That's going back to visit Folly Lane or Langworthy or or the Roosters, you know, being that first grade player at Salford and they can pursue the dreams. But on the, on the other hand of it, we want them to come and have a great experience. So they want to come back and they want to keep coming back and become, you know, an, a, an established Salford Red Devils fan. Yeah, because that's what it is, Matt. It's about sort of building sort of the club and engaging and, and you know, when the fans come, they'll, they'll come and we'll grow and we'll grow. From the match day side, it's about the match day experience, really, keeping everybody safe, uh, looking after you know, groups that need some help, you know, autism and, and, and disabled, you know, just making sure that they know that there's a go-to person for the club and uh, not just somebody who, who's at the AJ Bell. We, the, the club have got myself in place now yeah. who, uh, who can enhance and uh, the, the, the match day experience and make sure that, that people are locked after and they're safe, which that's what it's all about. And that's, that's going to link in with the build in the future because they're, they're going to feel safe on a match day and they're going to look forward to coming if they enjoy the experience. Yeah, if there was somebody listening to this uh, podcast who, who wants to sort of contact you, Matt, how would they do that? Um, just uh, through the, um, the, the the Salford Red Devils uh, safeguarding email account, um, safeguarding at salfordreddevils.net. So it's on my Twitter feed, so they contact me via via email. Brilliant. You're both doing a fantastic job. You know, it's, it's great. You, you know, so much has changed at the club, you know, for the positive and uh, you two are, you know, big parts of that. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, appreciate it, Rob.
Brilliant. Big thanks for joining us on the on the on the podcast. Podcast been great. Uh, you know, talking to you. And we're all looking forward to, to Friday, uh, Paul. Yeah, thanks, Robin, th- and thanks for everything you're doing as well in terms of promoting the club. Um, you know, podcast is great, and and I know you know when you get people from the club who are, who are, who are guests on the podcast, they always really enjoy it. So thank you for what you're doing as well, and 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 Paul and Parky as well. Yeah. We, we obviously, you know, we've grown so much over over the last sort of seven years. But you know, we we, we couldn't have done it without the, sort of the club's uh, sort of engagement and helping us sort of get access to players and things like that. So you know, we've got to say thanks for for that and you know helping us uh, grow. And hopefully, we'll, we'll be we'll grow in the next seven years. Who knows? We. But yeah, Matt. Big thanks for coming on. Big thanks for everything you do. Uh, and uh, you know, keep the ball rolling. We'll do. Loving it. Loving it. Brilliant. So that was Matt Carr and Paul Trader talking to me, Paul. And, you know, both, both have done an outstanding job uh, to, to engage with the local community. Yeah, certainly. We, we saw that, didn't we, in the, um, the game a couple of weeks ago at the AJ Bell Stadium against Castleford. The, the amount of children that were there, school children coming, the excitement of the players sort of waiting behind and signing autographs. There's real buzz around, around the ground. and yeah, I think that's down to an awful lot of good work that's going on behind the scenes. So, uh, so yeah, fascinating interview. And, uh, and sometimes it's good to, to hear insights of people not who are probably not directly involved with the playing side, but, you know, things that are going on outside that as well, hearing their opinions and just hearing what, about what, what they've been up to. So, uh, so a really good chat. Yeah, uh, Salford were in action uh, this weekend. They were away at Hull, Kusa Rovers and, fought, and lost 43.16. Talk us through it, Paul. <laughs> How long have we got? <laughs> um, yeah, it was a disappointment, Rob. I think you know we took a few coach loads up there, and there was a bit of a buzz of excitement with supporters coming on the ground at the start of the game, you know, chanting and singing. And weather was a bit miserable, but uh, but no, we made a good start to the game. Ken Seal and Dion Crash shot through, exchanging passes. Somehow managed to make a real mess of it, really. And Seal got caught when it looked easier to score. So that that was a big mistake for us early on. Um, Bit of one to take, and Ulkar went down the other end and got a couple back-to-back tries. They actually got so they went twelve nil up. So it was a sort of a twelve-point turnaround. And before you know it, it was eighteen nil. And um, yeah, we was behind the eight ball. We did manage to get a try, but Lachlan Coot dropped a goal just before our time, which was the right tactic, I thought, to send the Robins in nineteen points to six in the break. And you know, being three scores behind, it was always going to be tough. We started in the second half with a mistake in our first set. Chucked the ascendancy back over to the Rovers and then they got another try and at 25 points to six. The game was drifting away from us. It was a bad-tempered second half as well. There was um, a few high shots going in. The referee seemed to lose control a bit. Tyler Dupree got sin-binned. Harvey Levesque got sin-binned. And, um, yeah, but by the time we got a, a try from Dion Cross late on in the game, the game was well gone. So, OK, Matt Parcell, I thought, was outstanding for them. Did a really good job from dummy half, ran all over us. Lachlan Coote was, was, was brilliant at full-back as well. Mikey Lewis returned for them in the halves. And we didn't really have any answer. But you're looking back at the first half, I think it was over 20, 22 minutes before we actually got into the, the, the OKR 20 with the ball. So you're not going to do anything as you've got no possession and no territory. And, you know, you, you've got to hand it to Hulkington Rovers. They played the percentages game. They, they, they played down there under the field, played the right tactics and um, were totally better in every department, really. So a, a real disappointing day for Solve, particularly after the, the two good wins that they've had in recent weeks. Yeah, obviously disappointing for Paul Rowley's men. Uh, there was talk about a late push for a playoff spot. Paul, does this defeat uh, push that far away or... You think there's still opportunity to close the gap? 
Oh, I still think there's an opportunity, Rob. I think if he was a betting man, I'd probably say no because we're not consistent enough. But that could all change again next week. I think if you look at the league table, you've got Toulouse, who've got four points. Then after that, you've got Wakefield, who are just two points behind us. Uh, you've got Warrington, who are level with us, below us on points difference. Leeds are a point in front of us. And then I think Hulk are four points. Castleford are four points or so. So two points, sorry, Castleford. So everybody's in and around each other. I mean, you've only got to get Toulouse to win a couple of games and they're going to be in, in with a shout. So I'd probably say it's a bit too much for Toulouse, but everybody else has got a chance of making the playoffs. But if Toulouse win a couple of games, so have they. But I think they'd be happy just to stay up at this moment in time. But it's anybody's really. I think at the moment you've probably got four sides in Wigan, St. Helens, Catalans and Huddersfield who are the consistent teams who, who, are, who are challenging for the top four. Then the rest of the teams, Hull included and Hull KR, are all much of a muchness and it's just about them keeping players fit. Um, you look at Hulk KR, they went on a really bad run, didn't they? But they got a few players back today looked a totally different side. So if you can keep your players fit, bit of luck, uh, build a bit of consistency, you've got every chance of making that top six. But it's going to be real twists and turns. You look at Leeds, they've got an awful lot of away games to play. Salford have got a load of home games to play. So if we can... sort of, I think we're a totally different team at home. Um, and if we can turn those home games into wins we've got a chance but we've got to improve from from the visit to Hull KR I thought we were very poor and I don't like saying a bad attitude problem but we didn't look like we wanted the game as much as Hull Kingston Rovers and that's disappointing really you know when you've won two games on the spin you think you'd be full of confidence and and, and after that that third one to, to send you up the table but but no it's a big week this for Salford now with Wigan Warriors at home on Friday yeah uh, Wigan, like you said, on Friday, the Armed Forces Day. Um, any armed forces who live in the area of uh, the Great Manchester can come uh, and watch the game. I think for £5, got a book online. Check Salford's website for further details. Uh, it'd be great to get a, a few of the ladies and gentlemen who defend us uh, and uh, you know keep us safe uh, to get down the match. Yeah, it's, it's a good game as well, a Friday night as well. Hopefully the weather's going to be a bit better than it was this weekend uh, for the whole KR game. But no, a mouth-watering game in, against Wigan. And you know, look at the rugby league they're playing at the moment. They had a great win in the Challenge Cup final. They backed up with a with a really tricky-looking tie at Castleford at the weekend. You know, to go to Weldon Road after the, the you know after winning a, a Challenge Cup and everything that goes with that, and to go there and put on a real professional second half performance. They weren't so clever in the first half, but came back really well to win that game. I think Matty Peters has got them playing. Um, a very resilient brand of rugby. They're difficult to beat. They've got some real flair players as well, and I think they could have a real big say in in, in the in the in the grand final and, and and where the trophy ends up at the end of the season. They look really really consistent this time and look a good challenge at the top there with, with St. Helens. They seem to have closed that gap between them and St. Helens. It was their last season, so this is going to be a real tough game for for Salford on Friday. But yeah, it'd be great to see uh, military personnel there who do a great job, as you say, defending this country. And if we can get people down, it'd be a be a great night. Yeah, but let's talk about Swinton Lions, Paul. They faced Oldham away and were victorious to beat Oldham uh, eight, 16 points to eight. Good win uh, for the Lions. It was. It was a tough first half. It was tip for tap in that first half. And, uh, you know, they, they come away with the, the victory in them, but a very hard fought victory against Oldham. Who, you know, Oldham were one of the sides who were tipped to do really well this season under, uh, under Stuart Littler, but they've not had it all their own way. They've had some difficult games. 
they struggled a bit and uh, you know, it was always going to be a tough game for Swinton going there and as I said before the weather's not been great this weekend and they, they've gone there and ground the result out and you know after a couple of disappointing defeats uh, Swinton they, they, they are starting to turn the corner and um, you know, build some uh, momentum now. But I was looking at the scores this week, and there's a top of the table clash between North Wales Crusaders and Keithley. And Keithley Cougars have gone there to to Colwyn Bay and absolutely battered uh, North Wales Crusaders. So they look like the, the side that could be could be the one to beat this season. So um, I think you've got four or five teams in that that League One who who could be contesting for promotion. It's promised to be a really exciting season. But for Swinton, they've just got to keep doing their job now and uh, knocking victories off. And, and, and any away win you can get is a bonus or so a, a good win there at Oldham, really a morale boosting win. Yeah, Max Roberts and Louise, uh, Louise, Louise Brogan, uh, the two try scorers for Swinton. Obviously, they've got firepower all over the field, and it's great them two got over the line to secure the points. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And um, as I said before, a good win. It's a tough place to go, Oldham. Uh, the Whiteback Stadium where they play now, and the, you add to that the, the Stuart Little effect, you know, former Swinton coach. There's a few former Swinton players in that side there, so it was always going to be tough. They were always going to raise their game. So uh, so to get that result, I think that'll do their confidence a world of good now. So, uh, so yeah, it's about building momentum and, and getting another result next weekend. I'm not sure who they play with the next week. I'm not seeing the fixtures yet, but uh, I'm sure you'll be able to tell me. Yeah, I'll be able to tell you now with a, with a minute to go. Uh, part of Swinton's next game is against uh, Rochdale at home. 4.30 kickoff at Haywood Road. Um, you know, it's going to be a really good contest that, uh, you know, for hopefully a lot of Swinton fans will get down there and support them. That's the, next Sunday. That I'm hoping to get to that one myself if I can. So uh, I knew it was a half-war game. I think it's on the television, that one. I'm sure it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that should be a cracking match, that real cracking match. So uh, another big derby. But, uh, but another chance for Swinton to impress. Yeah, Andy Maisy, ex-Salford, uh, ex-Swinton chairman, that'll ex- a bit of extra uh, mix to the to the occasion. Yeah, doing good things at uh, Rochdale Hornets now as well. So, yeah, you know, going back to his former club there, it always does. And, uh, yeah, it, it should be a cracking match. That I think both clubs have got players who've played for each other before. And it's a local derby game as well. Yeah, it's going to be super exciting. We'll be talking all about it on the Sport Zone on Salford City Radio. Don't forget, you can tune in every Tuesday at 7pm and every Thursday at 9pm uh, to listen to this Sport Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Parkson and uh, see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat. 